that is our work. It is acknowledging that all women come to the table with unique perspectives and experiences. You know, women are not a monolith and we're not gonna all do things exactly the same way, but our experiences are very different because we are women. And it's hard to imagine that the best policies can, can be produced if we're not in the room. Welcome to Ending Domestic Abuse, a one-of-a-kind virtual resource for helping victims escape abuse, empowering survivors, and preventing relationship violence before it can even start by giving you the tools to improve your confidence, life skills, and hope. And your host, Dr. Ludi Green, a national expert on violence against women and children, I have advocated across the globe and directly helped more than a thousand abused women regain and maintain their freedom through economic independence. On my podcast, you will hear from top experts in fields like finance, economics, psychology, and many more. And you will hear stories from people who have defied the odds, overcome abuse, and found their way to success. Together, we'll offer you support and practical ideas to pursue your goals, start on a new path, and protect yourself and others from abuse. Today, we'll be talking with Erin Los Trutraro. Erin is the founder and CEO of She Should Run, an nonprofit that encourages women from all backgrounds to run for public office. She has been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and NBC News, among many publications. Let's meet her after this short break. Ending Domestic Abuse is brought to you by Audible. Something you need to know about me is that I love to multitask. I'm a mother, a wife, and as an entrepreneur who had to build her own path to success, I'm always looking for ways to continue learning and to use my time more effectively. Audible has been a great resource for me. I can access hundreds of audiobooks from the palm of my hands and listen to them as I commute to work, while I cook dinner, or when I go on a run. Listeners who have enjoyed some of my episodes on self-care will love Audible's huge list of self-help books, as well as their guided wellness program. Long-term listeners of the podcast who will remember our episode with author Leslie Morgan Steiner can find her book, Crazy Love, on Audible. It is so important to continue to learn and improve yourself. You are worth it. Don't wait. Head to audibletrial.com slash ending domestic abuse to start your free trial so they know we send you. All proceeds will go to improving this podcast to help even more victims of violence. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash ending domestic abuse. Welcome back to Ending Domestic Abuse, and this is your host, Dr. Ludi Green. While summer may be coming to an end, Things are just beginning to heat up in politics as we enter into election season, with most, but not all at all, elections scheduled to be held on November 7, 2023. Political engagement is an incredibly important part of working towards gender equality, and as a part of that, ending violence against women. The Violence Against Women Act is a key example of how legislation can be used to combat domestic abuse by providing support to victims and encouraging societal change. However, legislation is just one part of the change needed to enact gender equality. 
Today, we're incredibly lucky to be joined by one woman who has worked tirelessly to increase gender equality in elected leadership. Erin Luz Catraro is an entrepreneurial leader whose creativity and innovation has led to her to implement a variety of strategic programs across the fields of public policy, nonprofits, and business. Now, she serves as the CEO of She Should Run, a nonprofit she founded that aims to see 250,000 women running for office by the year 2030. Erin, we're so honored to have you here with us today to talk about She Should Run and your career. Welcome to my podcast. We are so excited. We would like to know if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, your careers in teaching, entrepreneurship, and politics, and how did this interest lead you to where you are today? Of course. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to join in this important conversation. I did not come from a background in politics, despite what many may think, given what I'm doing now. I was born and raised in the Midwest. I ultimately graduated with an undergraduate degree in education and went into the field of teaching. I was a sixth grade, mostly history teacher, working with those students who I think are just so much fun because they're just gaining their wit there. And, and in that work, what I, what I learned about myself early on is that I am somebody who is always seeking solutions that represent opportunities where you can affect change for the most people. So even in my role as a teacher, I was thinking about ways to change the educational system. And, you know, with that sort of drive and passion, both in the classroom and then outside of the classroom, I was encouraged to, you know, to go for a higher education degree, which I did ultimately in in communication, looking at the way that organizations learn and grow. And that took me into the business world. Again, back to this place where, you know, I was, I was just driven by this, this desire to, to help others find solutions that can make a difference. And so, so it, it was actually kind of surprising that I wasn't in politics prior to this. But, you know, I grew up, I grew up with primarily a single mom who, was was frankly just trying to make ends meet. And so politics wasn't something that we talked about. It's really something we lived in, in my reflection of it, you know, in, the, in what we needed to access and what we needed to make a case for. And so ultimately, when I started directing some of my non-work time to helping on issues in my own community, I had this light bulb moment where I realized just how much change can happen through elected office, through government, through policy change. And that's, you know, at that point I made a turn and it, it seemed like an abrupt turn to some, but those who knew me well, I think understood, you know, I, I sort of left the corporate space and stepped into, stepped into the political space full time and, and frankly haven't looked back because once you catch that, that, that bug of seeing what's possible, it's hard to let it go. So had the opportunity to work with amazing women who who were running for office. It was just a coincidence, frankly, that I was working for women. I was drawn to that. But then I very quickly saw the challenges that women faced that were unique to them. And that is ultimately what led me to take the first steps towards what is now she should run, which is which is really just, 
you know, a culmination of looking for ways to pull that lever that's going to get the most people involved. And, and that's the work that she should run. It is, you know, we're nonpartisan nonprofit working to inspire women from all walks of life to see their potential in elected office and to know how important it is for them to be in decision-making rooms. So can you tell us a bit about how you connect with women and what programs you offer to help prepare for these ladies to run for political office? Absolutely. So, you know, many people, when they think about an organization like She Should Run, they sort of assume we do work that, you know, that is that is supporting the women who have already made the decision to run because that work is incredibly important. A woman makes a decision to run. She often needs to learn campaign skills. I, you know, I have a background doing that type of work, but what I found in doing that work is that there was no entity that was solely committed to finding women who are not already at the table. And in order to find the women who are no longer, who are not already at the table, you can't, you can't assume that they're just going to show up and, and, and jump on a ballot. You have to find them. You have to connect with them on issues that matter most to them. You have to build a case for them that, you know, that their limited time and talent would go to good use in in elected roles. And so we do our work twofold. One is we run awareness programs in partnerships with in partnership with organizations that have large built-in audiences to make a case for women's representation and and specifically historically underrepresented women who are, who are often hardest to reach in these policymaking dis- dis- conversations. And then we run programs that are really, if you think about it, like almost like a run, like a, if you were going to start out on a marathon, you wouldn't start out with, you know, running that, running those 26 miles. You would, you would start out by just trying to get to the starting line of some kind of run. So right. for us, <laughs> for us, that's really about helping women find get really connected with that fire in the belly that we all have, that purpose that drives right. us to get things done. And then, and then, you know, getting connected with others who have navigated the wild world of running for office, especially at the local level, which feels just really, it feels like a hard nut to crack. And, and the reality I always like to point out to folks, because it's fascinating as, you know, the U.S., government system, we have over 500,000 elected offices in this country and 99% of them are at the local level. And so that's really where Uh, it's not that we don't want women to run for higher office. Of course, we want women to run for higher office. But we are, you know, well aware that many women are going to take those first steps in their communities uh, around the issues that are affecting them most. And that's where we like to start. Are we seeing enough women running for office currently and why it is important to be talking about gender equity in the political sphere? Yeah, I mean, look, it, the, the reality is this. If we're not tapping the full talent pool this country has to offer, then we are doing a disservice to policymaking across the board. You know, I always like to drive conversation to point out that it's not just about, you know, when we talk about women's equity and making sure that women have a, have a place and a seat at the table, it's not just about making the world a better place for women. It's about this Correct. reality that it helps everyone, you know, truly that, you know, all, all ships rise when, when we, when we have decision making rooms that reflect the people they govern. And so. You know, that is that is our work. It is acknowledging that all women come to the table with unique perspectives and experiences. You know, women are not a monolith. 
And we're not going to all do things exactly the same way. But our experiences are very different because we are women. And it's hard to imagine that the best policies can can be produced if we're not in the room. Are there any stories from She Should Run that you can share with listeners to demonstrate how the organization can help prepare a woman to run for office and perhaps a specific person you work with or a program? Yeah. So, you know, look, I... I I think it's important to, I'm always careful about making it about one specific woman because everyone mm-hmm. is, everyone is so unique in their, in their sort of steps that they take. But I'll, I'll tell you, we see a real trend. You know, we've, we've done the deep dive on what motivates women in this crazy world. Cause let's admit, let's like acknowledge the insanely polarized political environment that we're in. One where it just feels like, I believe there, you know, there was a recent Washington Post feature story that I think the title of it was, you know, our our democracy is cracked. And, you know, it it highlighted just how much is at risk when we are fueling a healthy democracy. And for us, what we see as women step forward is they are often not coming to us on their own accord. They're coming to us because they have experienced some extreme you know, extreme events, you know, and in, in the case of, of this, this podcast, you know, it may be sadly a domestic violence event. It may be something to do with, you know, their ability to access a fair wage and, and, you know, or access basic healthcare. And they realize in, you know, stumbling their way through trying to fix something for themselves, just how broken our system is and how necessary Mm -hmm. it is for us to not just think about how to fix it for ourselves, but how to fix it for others, especially those who perhaps don't have the means or ability to, you know, to make the change that they so desperately need as well. So when women come to us, they're usually encouraged to do so. It's by somebody who's a trusted source it's not to say that you can't come up with this on your own. So if you're listening today and you're feeling like, oh, you know, I've never thought about exploring elected office because I always thought it was for someone else, which by the way, is something that all the women come to us think. It's for someone else. It's a game to be played by the insiders. The reality is it's, it is, it is 100% open. Our system is open to and needs to be open to those voices and perspectives of of, you know, all types of women from all types of backgrounds. And that stage that feels, you know, when women come to us, they feel like, oh, but I couldn't possibly run a campaign. I couldn't put my family out there. What you need to see, and and our programs show this, is you need to see how others have done it. You know, how they've navigated the world of privacy and what can be challenging about privacy, how they've navigated the reality that you know, many elected roles are not what you picture. They're not the full-time congressional roles. They're actually part-time roles that women are finding time for. Thank goodness they're finding time for in addition to all of the other things they're doing. It's a big ask to make of someone, but they also feel incredibly fulfilled that they are using their time to make their communities a better place. So they come to us in this place of seeking, seeking advice, seeking community on how to use their minutes wisely, and they leave our programs feeling more secure, knowing that elected leadership, there are many opportunities, that there are ways to make the change you want to see in your own communities. 
And, you know, even if not for them, which we still celebrate when a woman comes to us and says, okay, I want to know everything about it, catches the bug, but then doesn't do it herself. That's okay because she is then, I think it's something like 10 times more likely to find somebody else in her life to encourage, to step forward and support. It's terrific, your program. Seriously, I mean, like... Anybody can be encouraged right now to try out. Yeah. Seriously. Yes. It's, it's fantastic the way they're running it. So what advice will you have for someone who is considering a run for office or for someone who is worried they aren't qualified enough? <laughs> well, it, it, I would say you're not alone. The vast majority of women who come to She Should Run may not say they feel unqualified, but it pops up in you know, surveys and conversation that perhaps they feel like they need to know a whole lot more. Perhaps they feel like there's somebody else that is more qualified. And I love, we come back to a saying pretty regularly that if you care, you are qualified. If you're somebody who has a personal experience, which we all do, that is unique and that you see missing in policymaking rooms, you are qualified. You can find your way through the technical side of running a campaign and policy making, if you are open to learning. But, but what you can't do is you can't make up the fire in the belly. So if my advice always starts in a place of, and it's why, you know, one of our primary programs that we operate with women at that starting line is finding their purpose, making sure they are very connected with You know, what's going to get them out of bed every day? That what's the change that they want to see in the world? Because if you get disconnected with that, it's, it's not an easy road. It's not an easy road to, you know, volunteer often volunteer time or get paid too little to give your time to policy making. But if you know what you're trying to accomplish, seeing that opportunity that what can be changed is pretty transformational. So I would say. The advice I have, just to sum that up, is if you care, you're qualified. Take those first steps. If not with She Should Run, you know, find find a support network, people who will encourage you to, you know, really think through what it is that's your fire in the belly. And if you're open to it, you know, I encourage you to to join She Should Run's program. They're free free of cost for anybody who's interested, and it's really meant for that person who's not sure yet. And that's okay. We have to have those safe spaces to explore ways ways for us to use our voices as well. Sounds wonderful. Are there any upcoming events we should keep an eye out for or a way for listeners to follow along which she should run and connect with you? Absolutely. So I would encourage you to visit She Should Run's website. We have ongoing events that run everything from you know, connecting from issues. For instance, we have an issue series that's that's happening. We have an upcoming event in the fall on the economy and, and how equality in the economy starts with us. We're also hosting a conversation around how we can grow a diverse movement to address racism, what that looks like in our local community, the steps we can take. We're all about action and she should run all of us I think there is a common thread with the women who come to us of feeling a little impatient and not certain about what they want to do just yet, but knowing that they want to see change and knowing that they're willing to, you know, to give it a little bit of time. And so check out our issues, issues series. Also, you know, we have ongoing opportunities through audio courses and beyond. 
to engage with our curriculum. So that's all through through our website. We have a, a really obvious button on there that says join now. Where you are the programs in person or they're virtual yeah. or random? So mo- the majority of our programs, as many did with during the pandemic, we shifted most everything virtually. And we've had such great success being able to reach more women that way. We're mm-hmm. returning some programs to happen in in real life, but that tends to be, you know, if it's a community foundation who brings us to them, so we go to a lot of existing audiences, but otherwise women engage with us through our virtual offerings. Sounds wonderful. Thanks once again to our guests, Erin Lowe's Cotrero, and thanks to you for listening. No matter who you are and what you have been through, you can find help and you can find a way out of abuse and into your new life. Send us an email through our website at ludigreen.com. That's ludigreen.com. Or you can call our our abuse hotline at 202-643-2327. That's 202-643-2327. We'll help you find a way out to freedom. You can find me on social media at Dr. Ludy Green on Instagram and Twitter. You can also help us stop abuse by spreading word of our podcast. Just go on Spotify and please give us a five-star rating or share your comments. Thank you again, and together, let's all find a life you deserve.